Welcome to episode 69 on the Live Blissed Out podcast. Did you know that there are no pain receptors in the brain itself, even though the brain is a tool we use to detect pain? This explains why a patient who may be conscious during brain surgery won't feel any pain. Hello, action takers. Welcome to Live Blissed Out, a podcast where I have inspirational and informational conversations with business owners and subject matter experts to help us get the scoop and the lowdown on a variety of topics. Tired of hesitating or making decisions without having the big picture? Want to be in the know? Then this is the place to go. I'm your host, Marissa Houston, helping achieve bliss through awareness and action. Thanks for joining me. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Joining me is Jared Hanning with Mindset Performance. You know how when you're in the corn maze and you're not sure if you should go left or right, but when you step on a ladder, suddenly the maze is no longer a mystery? That's what Jared Hanning does for business owners. By teaching them how to think at a higher level, they are able to see the whole picture and suddenly the obstacles that were blocking their growth no longer exist. Everything he teaches comes down to this one thing. A breakthrough in your business will first happen as a breakthrough in your thinking. He is an award-winning speaker, has been featured on ABC Nightline, spoken on stages all across the country, has clients all across the world, delivered four TEDx talks related to mindset performance, and been chosen by TED Global as the featured speaker of the week. He specializes in a Nobel-nominated process that teaches you how to think at a higher level and allows you to access different parts of your brain on demand. As a result of this training, most of his clients go on to double their income by purposefully working half as many hours. To learn more, visit MindsetPerformance.co. Jared, it is good to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm super happy to be sipping a cup of tea here and diving into this conversation with you. So today we're going to be talking about a mind scan. And that sounds so Star Trekky, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> That's what came to my head when I thought about him, like mind scan. Wow, right? And I know you told me that the mind scan isn't a personality test and it's not necessarily a questionnaire. Let's talk about exactly what it is and what it does. Yes. So this is based on the Nobel-nominated research of Robert Hartman in the 1950s and his way of mapping out how your brain makes sense of the world. And many people, when they think of these kinds of assessments or processes, they think about like DISC or Myers-Briggs. And the difference is they're questionnaire-based. And because of that, you now have self-reporting error. This would be like you going to the doctor and the doctor coming into your room with someone else's test results. Because of that self-reporting error, your subconscious is gaming the system. It's trying to predict or guess what the test is looking for. It's trying to present itself in a certain light. Yes, the people who design these tests are aware of this and they work very hard to ask questions in a certain way to avoid that. But I don't know that you can completely avoid it. That's just the nature of responding to questions. Uh, You now have self-reporting error. The other thing is they tend to be personality assessments. And so 
you're likely to get a label. You're a rabbit. You're a rock. You're a mover. You're a number seven. You're an IF23. On one hand, it's very empowering and encouraging. You're like, okay, I'm not crazy. There's other people in the world that are like me. But on the other hand, you now identify with that. Well, this is who I am. This is how I am. I've always been this way. And in reality, you are everything and nothing. You are only what you choose to show up as in this moment. So the label is both freeing and limiting. But the label is worse than that because it is dangerously misleading. When you get that report back from these types of assessments, and it says, hey, 75% of the population or 25% of the population has these traits, then you know they're very similar to you. That would be like going to the doctor and the doctor saying, you have this condition, but don't worry because we have a 25% success rate of treating it. That's not helpful information. We want to know what side of that line you're on. And that's what the mind scan does differently. There's no self-reporting error. You're not filling in questions. There's no gaming of the system. There's no way for you to know what information it's looking for. It maps out your thinking patterns, and that map is as unique as you are. And because of that, it becomes your breakthrough map. You're able to see the blind spots that have been tripping you up. You're able to see the breakthroughs that are waiting for you. And since it's not a population comparison and it's not a personality test, it gives you access to a useful set of information. And this is why many of the entrepreneurs that go through that process, they end up doubling their business revenue by working half as many hours because their mind is now thinking on a higher level about how they make decisions and solve problems in their work. You know, Jared, the words that are used interchangeably these days are mindset, personality, attitude, right? And oftentimes we don't know the difference. We kind of look at them as very similar terms that are just used around. So what makes mindset different from, let's say, when we refer to personality or attitude? So personality, attitude, I would liken those to rose-petaled glasses. I would liken those to well-meaning advice your mother might have given you. It seems like it should make a difference. It seems like thinking positive should make a difference. It seems like having good self-esteem should make a difference. But what that leads to is more of the same. And this is why you get to the end of the year and you say, ah, this year doesn't count next year. All I need to do is just try harder. And so you get to the end of next year and you say, ah, you know what? This year doesn't count either because the kids were sick and then we had to take that vacation and then we had that trouble sell in the house. So this year doesn't count either. Next year, I'm really going to apply myself. This is trying harder. This is surely it's going to work out. But trying harder doesn't actually make a difference. Trying harder is lots of energy and effort for no actual change, no actual movement. And this is that famous quote from Star Wars by the teacher Yoda, who says, do or do not. There is no try. Sometimes in my seminars, I have people up on stage and I convince them that they are a great thespian and they are playing a role and they are going to convince the audience of this role on stage and they embody this role. And I give them the instructions, show us what it looks like to try to move your hand. And 
Many of them, they slowly move their hand through the air with this kind of concerted look of concentration on their faces. They're slowly moving their hand through the air. And I say, okay, no, no, no. Um, I didn't ask you to show us what it looks like to move your hand. Show us what it looks like to try and move your hand. Immediately, we get to the first fallacy that trying makes a difference. So then they go back and they redo it. And now what they do is they kind of have their hands still, but their body is shaking with all this effort. Maybe they get the other hand and they try to physically move it around with the other hand and they're expending all this energy and the effort. They're trying, they're trying to move the hand, but it's not actually moving. I say, good, good. All right. Now, here's a question. What is the difference between trying to move your hand and not moving it at all? And they realize that it's just wasted energy. Now, personality, attitude, that is what trying is like. Mindset, however, is a strategic way of thinking. It is a way of thinking that produces a duplicatable result. For example, some people, they pride themselves on getting things done. They see themselves as achievers, go-getters, and their mind is really good at recognizing what needs to be done. You send them into a party, and rather than mingling with people, they're running behind the scenes, preparing this and cleaning that up. They're really good at recognizing what needs to be done. And we can always count on them to get things done. However, they also always have more on their to-do list than they have time to get done. Working harder and faster doesn't clear it up. And the reason is, if your mind values taking action, then it's going to look for action to take. And this is why you keep copying things on your to-do list day after day, and they aren't actually getting done because the brain is looking for things to do. This is a strategy. It's a strategic way of thinking. And it makes a lot of sense. It seems like it should work. We feel so good when we do it, right? I had a hundred things on my list today and I got them all checked off. Wow. <laughs> yes, we get a dopamine rush. We get all this pleasure and comfort and affirmation for checking things off our list. And yet, no matter how many emails you return today, it doesn't prevent you from returning emails tomorrow. It doesn't actually make a difference. It's just a lot of energy for not moving the ball forward. You know, Jared, that's counterintuitive, isn't it? In fact, we encourage each other in business circles or everywhere else. Did you get all that stuff done? Wow, good for you. Pat on the back, because that's really what we're told is the culmination of success is that we're able to commit to things and do them. If we do them, then we're reliable. And that means we're action takers and we're doing things all the time. And so good for you, right? All of a sudden, you're turning that on its head and saying, that doesn't necessarily equate to effectiveness or success in business. No, not at all. Um, actually, even worse than that, checking things off your to-do list lowers your income. The more concentrated and focused you are on air quote, getting things done, making a list, checking things off, the lower your income is getting. And the reason is, if you will look at your to-do list, nine out of 10 things on your to-do list could be delegated for 10 or $15 an hour, provided there was the right system that was simple to follow and the right person was trained on how to follow that system. So by checking things off your to-do list and being excited, what you're really saying is, look at me. I spent the majority of my day and my best energy doing the lowest paying tasks possible. 
So people get in that trap and they say, well, I would delegate, but I don't have the money to hire somebody. Oh, yeah, I hear that all the time. Okay, well, how much time did you spend checking things off your list? That's why you don't have the money to hire them. No matter how fast you do it or how good you are doing it, it's still a $10 an hour task. The other thing about using a to-do list is it prevents you from getting anything done. It lowers your productivity. And we talked about that earlier because by being focused on getting things done, your brain looks for things to do. And that's why tomorrow you're still the one doing the stuff. So you're saying it would work if you really prioritize the things that really matter in terms of what is going to get you closest to your goal as quickly as possible. Taking a look at that list, because more doesn't necessarily mean better. If you had, let's say, 30 things on your list today, but only two were really important in terms of achieving your goal and the rest of them can be delegated and are not necessarily worth your time, then you need to make sure that that gets handed over so that you're not spinning your wheels and taking your valuable time doing mundane tasks, right? Yeah, it is sort of the difference between things that need to get done, things that are urgent and have to be done right away, things that are important to be done as opposed to things that make a long-term difference. When you return emails, it does not make a long-term difference. Tomorrow, you'll have to do emails. When you schedule the reschedule, tomorrow, you'll have to schedule. When you send out contracts and proposals, tomorrow, you'll have to send them out again. That doesn't make a difference. However, when you document the three most types of emails you get and the three most common responses you give, and then you research and train a virtual assistant, Now, you will never again have to respond to those emails. It actually makes a long-term difference, but it's a different way of thinking. And I think that's something that we don't look at or even notice because we're so proud of ourselves for checking things off. And again, that's because we're being encouraged and that's what we're told, you know, make sure that you just take care of things and things will then happen. And that's not necessarily true. Have you ever had anyone that had a mind scan that said to you, you know, Jared, this wasn't an accurate depiction of who I am at all. Like this is totally off. Yes, yes. So we just talked a little bit about strategic thinking patterns, and there's lots of different strategic thinking patterns. Looking for action and results isn't bad. It's just that it's not producing what you want, i.e. more free time and more money. And there's some other ways to think about it. And the mind scan maps out how you're thinking. And that from there, you're able to see why you keep hitting the same obstacles you do, don't have enough time, don't have enough money, don't have the right relationship support, and how other people think about solving those problems. Now, it's not a panacea. It's not perfect for everyone. And I would say probably out of 100 people, 30 of them are in tears when they go through the graph of their thinking patterns because it is so emotionally meaningful. I would say 50 of them will say immediately, oh my gosh, I had no idea. How did you get all this information? This is so helpful and so accurate. Maybe 20% of them will be kind of indifferent, cool things. And maybe 1%, yes, I'm aware the math doesn't add up. Forgive me, I'm a viola player by trade. Maybe 1% will say, oh, no, 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 that's not me at all. No, no, I'm nothing like that. And here's where it gets really interesting. This is what happens. So of that 1% who says, no, 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 I'm nothing like that at all. As we explore it, there's a couple of things we usually find. One of them is they rushed through the assessment. They like just ram through it in five minutes. 
Well, of course, it's not going to be indicative of how you think. You got to wrestle with it. Spend at least 20 minutes on it. That, that happens. And then the next thing that happens, and I love this more than anything, I might say, so we see here that you have a lot of awareness on how other people feel. You're very good at reading them intuitively. You just have a tendency to discount how they feel and kind of um, make how they feel come secondary to other goals. And say, oh, no, 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 I'm not like that at all. I mean, people go out of their way to tell me how caring I am and how listening I am. And the reason that they say that is because I'm really good at telling them what they need to be doing differently to get different results in their life. Funny, you just said what I did only in different words. There's people out there who listen for the opportunity to respond. The first thing on their mind is not what you're saying, but what they're going to say after you say it. How do I respond to this? What kind of feedback can I give? Because they might be that type who likes to solve problems. And so they're listening to you for perhaps obstacles you're going through. And then they're going, okay, how do I respond to that? What advice can I give? Right away, we want to jump in and try and solve the problem. There are people like that. Whereas there are those that listen just to listen because they know that the other person just needs an ear. This needs somebody to empathize with what they're saying. There's a definite difference between that, right? Yes. When you go through the mind scan with somebody, what is the most common blind spot that you see when you're going through the review with them? One, it's a situation where they aren't clear on what life is calling them to. Of course, this is frustrating because they've tried journaling and meditating and filling out exercises and going to motivational seminars, but they still aren't clear on what life is calling them to. Yet inside them, they have a very high drive for excellence. They feel called to step up to something bigger. And um, this is very frustrating because it feels like they have a racehorse and they aren't sure what track to run on. I would say for those people, entrepreneurs taking MindScan could be the most transformational thing that they can do in their work because it leaves them with a sense of certainty and clarity, and they can finally engage that racehorse. I see also happen where people have a lot of clarity on their sweet spot, on their zone of genius. If I ask them to pick one task and only do it for six weeks, they have no trouble picking it. But yet, as they go through their day, they don't actually honor it. They kind of spend the majority of their day doing little stuff that somebody else should be doing. And no matter how busy they are, it feels slightly empty and unfulfilling at the end of their day. When we have people that see that and they start to honor their strength and their sweet spot, they immediately triple their income. And this happens even at high, high levels. We had a guy, he's making 400000 as a financial planner. And I was thinking going into it, hey, this is a sophisticated individual. But what could this possibly reveal? But that came out for him as well, a tendency to devalue his sweet spot. And so in making that change and honoring his sweet spot and beginning to solve problems by thinking that way, he went from 400000 to $1.2 million over the next year and a half. Another common one is when you value solving problems by taking action, and that's what causes you to have more on your to-do list and you have time to get done, as opposed to solving problems by building systems and building relationships. And that scales, and so you don't have to do that work anymore. And then lastly, I would probably say another common blind spot that comes up is being aware of how other people are feeling, but tending to undervalue their feelings as currency. 
it's really easy to see that money makes a difference in the world. I have money, I can get food, I can get electricity, I can get gas for my car. Money physically moves things in the real world. So money is currency. I can take action. I can get a shovel. I can dig holes in the ground. I can get a lawnmower. I can mow grass. I can take action and get money. So action shows up also as a form of currency. I can trade time, if you will. But for some people, emotions don't show up as valid in their own right currency. And this causes life and business to be very difficult for them. It's a shift in how you view things. If you don't understand that, then how can you adjust? How can you change the trajectory of how you've been doing things in the past? That old saying we all have heard, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. So there has to be some sort of shift there. And looking at things from a different lens is very helpful as well. What kind of advice would you give a struggling entrepreneur that hasn't taken the mind scan, they can't see the results? What are some things that they can think about? Without having looked at their mind scan and knowing how their brain currently solves problems, a couple things I would say is instead of making a to-do list, document how you do something. Write down the three most important bullet points and test your documentation. Is this so simple that an eighth grader couldn't screw it up? Test it. And then build a relationship with somebody that can do that for you. You've got 20 bucks. You can hire somebody for two hours a week and start there. No, it's not perfect. No, it doesn't fix everything overnight. Your system probably wasn't written down as efficiently as it could be. You might have to rewrite it a couple times till it takes. You might not hire the right person the first time. You might have to rehire and retrain a couple times until it takes. But now you're thinking like a leader, somebody who causes things to happen. And that's why they always have more than enough free time and always have more than enough results, as opposed to thinking like a doer, thinking like an achiever, somebody that's responsible for making things happen. And that's why they never have enough time and they never have enough results. If I had 20 bucks and I hired somebody to do a mundane task that I've been doing forever and now I've freed up some time. So let's say I've freed up those two hours. What do I do with those two hours? Because you think that entrepreneur has been so used to doing that task that now they have to try and figure out how can I make the most of those two extra hours so that I can make up for the 20 and then some. Honestly, I am sure that people are asking that question in their heads. They're going, all right, so yeah, I delegated it. I saved time. I spent that 20 bucks. But now what do I do? How do they spend their time effectively, I guess? That's where they spend in their sweet spot. There's an exercise that I take people through. Look me up on YouTube. There's a tutorial somewhere that I've got on YouTube for it. It teaches you how to properly value your time. It's called the $500 an hour. And I've never seen anybody come in with their time worth less than $500 an hour when they understand how to calculate the real value of a specific activity. Many people, though, will hit $1,000 or $2,000 an hour. So getting clear on what your $500 an hour task is, is what you spend that two hours on. Now, if you don't go to YouTube or track me down, hit me up on social website or whatever, and learn how to properly calculate the value of your time, Here's what I would say to do with that two hours. Spend that two hours in your sweet spot. 
the thing you do the best, the thing that you enjoy the most, and solve problems through that lens during that two hours. So maybe you are really, really good at networking and building relationships, and you need your car fixed or you need your grass mode. How can you network and connect people and build relationships and cause your grass to get mowed by networking and building relationships? How can you cause it to happen by leveraging your genius? If you are great at teaching math to kids or great at teaching music to kids and you need a website built, well, instead of going to YouTube, and getting tutorials and learning how to build your own website, how can you leverage teaching math to kids or teaching music to kids to cause somebody else to do the website for you? So begin to solve problems through your genius. Like you said, then you're going to be spending your time building on the things that you enjoy and do best and can also help you grow your business more than if you spent your time checking off a list and following up on an invoice or whatever, that's not really going to help you get to where you want to go. Yes. Jared, how do people learn more about you? You mentioned a YouTube channel. How do they get a hold of you? What's your website? Please share with us. Yes. Mindsetperformance.co. Come with a critical mind. Try it for yourself and see if you think this makes a difference in your world. Jared, thank you. Thanks for having me. That's all for this episode of Live Blissed Out. Thanks for listening and thanks to Jared Hanning for being my guest. If you have a question or comment for a future episode, all you have to do is go to speakpipe.com forward slash L-B-O-V-M or click the link in the show notes to leave a brief audio message. If you find value in our show, please visit liveblissedout.com to reach out, subscribe and share on social media. This show is made possible through listeners like you. Thank you. So long for now. And remember to keep moving forward.